0: Chapter Two. Kids, I always say kids are in here today. Yeah, right. do what you're asking me, sister. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's hot right? in, here or is it in here. It's just, it's hot. We, we have the air patrol put on some air. Thank you. Well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to say y'all, y'all. Surprised me. He was on the way to church and I asked her why. I said, How many people do you think? She said, 100. I said, Wow, you're optimistic. I was betting 50. So that's good. Look at y'all just outdoing yourself. <coughs> Luke chapter 2. Starting off in, let me get to where I'm going. Starting off in, I think it's about verse 8. Still ain't there. Yeah. Verse 8. On the night Jesus was born, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy, which will be to all people, for there is is born... To you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, good to will towards men. You know, I know most of you are excited to celebrate Christmas. Some of you are ready to be over. A lot of you are excited to celebrate Christmas, you know, with your friends and family, and, and I hope you all make some good memories and laugh and eat some good food. <clears throat> we kind of changed up the way we did things this year. We were talking, me and my wife were talking earlier, uh, a month or so ago, about Christmas. Said really wanted to try to focus more on, on Jesus and focus more on uh, family and, and getting together and that kind of stuff. So she came up with the 12 Days of Christmas so we've been celebrating for 12 days, uh, having having family over and then going down delivering presents each night because all our all our crew lives pretty much on the same place, other than Kristen and her. Randy's been coming over. Just really enjoyed it rather than it just be one big shebang, You know, a lot of times we get caught up in you know the fiasco of Christmas and trying to get everything in order, and then everybody slams in one day and, and trashes the place, and then going about your business and and just, uh, you know, I'm thankful for while. my wife always comes up with crazy stuff. And she inspires me uh, to pursue a vibrant life. Because it's easy to get caught up. And this goes to my message. It's easy to get caught up in the, in, into the humdrum of life. And overshadowed by all the darkness that's in the world. And, and just living in, in life's everyday demands. Sometimes it feels like you can be, you know, enslaved in that kind of stuff. And as I was studying this... This passage of Scripture, you know, if you look at the shepherds uh, in that day, you know, the Jews were in that place. They were enslaved basically to the Romans. Romans treated them very badly. And all throughout Israel's history, you see them uh, coming into to slavery, whether it was to the battle or It started off with Egyptians, and then God brought them out and set them free. And because of their choice, want you listen to that, because of their own sinful choice to turn away from the Lord, they end up in slavery and in bondage, whether it's in Babylon, and then after that the Medo-Persian Empire, and into the Greeks, and then to the Romans. And so all during that time, they, you have prophets in the Bible prophesying of a Messiah, a Savior, who would come and to deliver them. So Israel is thinking that when the Messiah comes, that he's going to be a military leader who's going to come in and, and you know whoop up on the Romans and set them free physically. What they didn't understand is what most people don't understand today is it's our sinful choice to turn away from God and do things our own way or to live in our own way that produces a spiritual bondage in us that's, that is is visualized by the way we live our life. And God didn't ever intend for us to live in bondage or in misery or or any of that. So <clears throat> when you look at these shepherds, these shepherds were out very average, very common uh, living a humdrum life Watching sheep overshadowed by the darkness And I thought it was amazing You know, you wouldn't expect a Messiah The one who they've been looking for since Genesis You wouldn't expect God's in, You know, being born as a man in the presence That the first ones they would hear about It would be some humdrum shepherds You would expect, you know, uh, royalty Or at least, you know, this great theologian Or religious leaders Who would be the ones to announce it I just thought, Jesus is so amazing how he just goes to the average common person. You know, it's not about the, the ones who have, and I'm not against degrees, but it's not about that. It's not about people who have been to seminary, people who have great ministries or, or, or powerful people or rich people. The Lord wants just the average common person to experience his glory and the vibrant life that he has for you. And I, all of a sudden, what you see here is you—they're out there watching the, watching the sheep, and and an angel it says, "The angel, of the Lord, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, bright, a great light, probably like we can't even imagine, you know. But but all of a sudden, they're surrounded, and there's a basically a divine breakthrough in the darkness, and this angel appears, and it suddenly. And all of a sudden, He altered the course of their life, changed their whole attitude, changed their outlook. And I think there's so many people sitting in churches today, sitting in this church today, that need a divine breakthrough, that need to see the, the glory of the Lord. Because we, we, one of the things I've, God's been teaching me, we've been taught so many things that aren't necessarily true. And, and we've been cloned into believing. You know, everything revolves around a a church service or a church building. And and I'm not down in church. Jesus designed the church, but He designed it in a way a little bit different than what most churches are. And God's not contained in a building. And He's not contained in a service or a conference or anything like that. And so all of a sudden, out in the middle of nowhere, God sends this angel, and the glory of the Lord overpowers the darkness, interrupts the humdrum. And God changes everything through one simple message. You know, He didn't tell the angel, I want you to go, I want you to really put on a show and impress these shepherds. I want you to do some miracles in front of them and just really grab their attention. This, this angel had a simple but powerful, life-changing message that started with the shepherds and they made it greatly known and it began to spread and it's continuing today. Actually, uh, the word used here... And when it talks about good tidings, uh, is the Greek word where we get our word evangelize. We're called to evangelize, and what we've made evangelism today is really not what we see. You say, well, is anything right? Really not. You know, to a point in the way we're doing a lot of things, I think we need to change a lot of things. But but here's the thing: it gives a, gives a pastor a whole lot of hope, or a parent, or a teacher or if you're one who evangelizes and you share the story of Jesus with people, all it takes is one simple message. The message God's given us to deliver in a very simple way to radically change and alter the life of a person, generations, families, and that's what God's called us to do. Because when a person believes the message that this angel has delivered, it changes everything. And that's what Christianity is. And so when you look at this, The the first thing I do want to start off looking at is is the angel prior to telling the message that he was given to tell the shepherds, you see he he magnifies the spirit of the message. You remember in John chapter 4 that Jesus said, God looks for, seeks out those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so he talks about do not be afraid, let me get where I'm at, he said, the angel said unto him, do not be afraid, for behold I bring you good, good tidings, good news, of great joy, which will be to all people. And so he's talking about this, number one, I don't want you to be fearful, because the message that we bring is not a message of fear. The Bible said God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I've been in church my whole life, so I do have the authority to say the next thing I'm fixing to say as far as the church I was involved in. And it was a Baptist church, an independent Baptist church. I'm not dogging them. I'm just saying the one I was in. What I heard when I was a kid, and what a lot of you heard when you were a kid, was a message of fear. That's what I heard. I'm talking about a hell hot every Sunday, just about every Sunday night, just about every Wednesday night of a fire in and Brimstone. And I believe, uh, absolutely, the Bible teaches on a literal fiery hell. Talks about the lake of fire. It's where those who reject Jesus and their names not written in the last Book of Life will be. But, but the message that we're given to give is not to just rain down hellfire and brimstone on people or to bring them into fear. I, I listened to so many preachers come in and beat the pulpit and try to scare people into coming down to the front of the church, in front of everybody, to do something that's not even in the Bible and call it salvation. That's not, I'm, I'm not supposed to call, you know, I, I'm not up here to deliver a message of fear. Truth, truth is one thing. But, but it's not good news that you're going to hell. The good news is that Jesus came to save you from your sin. The outcome of that is I'm not going to hell, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. And I'm going to have life. And I'm going to have it abundantly. And I've got a Savior. And I've got a Preserver. And I've got a Sustainer. And i got a Provider. And I've got a God who walks with me through everything. Who blesses. Who shows favor. That's the good news. And what we did was, we tried to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think out of fear, a lot of Baptist churches and a lot of Baptist preachers back then wanted to control and make sure we didn't turn into something that, we didn't want to turn into so we control it and we make sure we manage everything and we call salvation a certain process and this is what it looks like and if you had not been through that process you're not saved and if you have been through that process you are saved salvation, listen to me very closely is not a process it's a person salvation is Jesus you have him or you don't you know him or you don't the Bible said, if you have the spirit of God in you that you're saved, if the Spirit of God's not in you, you're not. I don't care how many times you've walked on, you can't show me. Anybody cannot show me in the Bible where you go walk up to the front of the church, come up here in front of everybody that you don't want to come up here in front of. You know, this was the process in the church I was in. Okay? Preacher can preach up, preach a hell high message. Even back then, you know, some of y'all can relate to this. Even back then it was, you know, the rapture is going to take place. 88 reasons in 1988. I was a teenager and that's still in my mind. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. He didn't. He's coming back. I don't know when. But this is what I know. He's coming back. I'm looking forward to it because I don't have fear. And here's the point. You get to preach hell. Uh, and if you miss the rapture, the only way you can be saved is you cut your head off. Like, they, they preach that? You obviously went to church if you didn't hear the that in the 80s. We watched movies and videos and guillotines and all that stuff. Take a 12-year-old, man, whatever I need to do. It wasn't about following Jesus. It wasn't about I want to follow Jesus. I want to know Jesus. He came to save me. He's good. He loves me. He did everything so that I could have life. It wasn't about that. It was just what I need to do to avoid that. You've got to come up front. So we're going to play 17 verses of a hymnal, very emotional one. And the preacher is going to stand up in front of the church he's going to call you. One more verse. Tonight you might die when you leave here. If you leave here and a train hits you, where will you be? My question is, if you leave here today and a train doesn't hit you, how will you live? What will you live for? What is your point and purpose? And so in that, a lot of people run down to the front. What's next? Pray this prayer. All right, I'll pray it. I prayed that prayer. Are you saved? I guess so. That's what you said. All right, good. We're going to baptize you. And I'm going to stand up here. And we're going to add another number on the blackboard in the back. Job's getting done. Preacher's getting paid. Everybody in the church is happy. You say, that's pretty judgmental. No, that's pretty much a fact. In the church I was in. I don't know where y'all went. Okay? I went on for years not knowing Jesus after going through a process. You know why? Because I didn't know the person. I didn't know the object of of the whole Bible. And so in that, this angel comes and he said, we have a message of good news and of great joy. How many of you, when you share the gospel, you're sharing it because not because you ought to, not because I told you you should, not because you're guilty, not because you're trying to work your own salvation out, but because you're like, I have so much joy when I come to the place to understand what the gospel is that Jesus, God's Son, came to earth as a man because he wanted to, because he loves sinners, because he wanted to die for me in order that my sin could be forgiven, so that he could give me life, do everything necessary for me to be forgiven, receive life, receive it abundantly, walk with a God who loves me, to know him, to have eternal life, and to have the hope of glory. That's the gospel. That's really good news. The good news is if you're a sinner, there's hope. The good news, yeah, yeah, here's true. Sin, sin just sucks the life out of you. Sin destroys everything. Sooner or later, you're like, man, I, your flesh might enjoy it for a minute, but give it a little bit because it's gonna deliver pain, suffering, and sorrow, and hurt, separation, division, all those things that most people are experiencing. Here's the good news: hey, Jesus came to give you life. He came so that you can have peace and joy. And happiness, He came so that you could have power over sin that destroys you. Power over the enemy that tempts you. He came that you could have an incredible marriage, an incredible family, an incredible hope, an incredible life. And you die and go to heaven. You're really not going to die. You're just going to fall over and shed this body off and you're going to be more alive than you ever was. That's good news to me. But is that the message that, that God's people are carrying it out? You know, because here's my thing. I, I listen to a to a uh, podcast this week because the way you deliver the message often affects the message I mean, how, how, much, how much would you be excited if I stood up here and went alright I'm going to tell you the truth we're all sinners all standing in judgment one these days we're all going to die you're going to go to hell if you die without Jesus but guess what Jesus loved you he came, died on the cross took care of all your sins repent, you'll receive life Anybody want to be saved? <laughs> but we've become so focused on I want to make sure that I get every little thing, and I'm all about truth. Y'all know that. But I'm saying, do you really have you really experienced the truth that you just shared with somebody? I mean, honestly, I think if I ask Miss Verna, Miss Verna, come up and talk about deer hunting, she probably could. She's heard Terry say something about it. You know, I don't know, Miss Verna might have slayed him. <laughs> But I'm just guessing, all right? I'm just judging Ms. Verna. I don't think she knows a whole lot about deer hunting. She could probably come up and tell you, you know, da-da-da-da-da. At the end of her story, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people going, Hey, I want to be a deer hunter. You let me tell you a story. You know why? Because I've experienced the joy of it, the excitement of it, the adrenaline of it, the good, the good eating of it, all those things. There's a lot of people who stand up and they kind of do the Jesus thing. The Bible thing. They've heard it in Sunday school. they heard the preacher talk about it. That's why it's so awkward for you to share your faith. i It's just really awkward. I just don't know what to say. I'll be like, do you know what to say about dear i like, sit down. We're going to be here for hours. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you women can talk about sales and, and where to find all the deals for days. Trust me, I listened to it. So, so here's the thing. Here be my question for you. You know, this, this angel delivered this message. This message of good news. And great That brings great joy. And all of a sudden, the, the shepherds that we keep reading, they, they were excited about it when the angel left. you know, Here's what the church is about. you got one messenger who stands and goes like, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. All of a sudden, the rest of the angels who were in the background, not, they're not little women angels. The Bible doesn't teach that. It was actually the Lord's army. They were so excited that they broke through and they were shouting, glory to God in the highest. Is that not what a church service should look like? That we're so excited that the Lord has come to give us the life that he's given us? Because I I would bet any man this, the life Christ has given me far greater than any life you can compare to in this world. In this world. I'm not just talking about, yeah, you're going to go to heaven. I'm like, "No, no, I'm talking about the life that I have Now, because of Jesus, there is no comparison to anything in the world that compares to the life Jesus gives now. That's why I want you to get that. But but here will be my question for you. So, what message, what message was it that you heard that caused you to turn away from yourself and from your sin and go, I want to follow Jesus. What was that message? I read that this week. I actually heard a guy on a podcast ask a question. I started looking back over my life and I thought, you know, when I was younger, like I was talking about, it wasn't the message of the gospel. It was the message of hell that scared me. And I made some process decision. It wasn't until later when I was, you know what, the Holy Spirit cleared it up for me. And that's what he does. When all of a sudden the message of God's love and what he did for me on the cross Buddy, I knew I was a sinner. There wasn't no arguing. I didn't need a theologian telling me I was a sinner. I was a hellish idiot is what I was. And all of a sudden, for the gospel to register and Jesus, go, I, I know you're that. I know, I know you're that. And you don't have any hope. And I love you so much that I'm willing to take your punishment, your judgment, so that you can have life. You don't have anything I need. You don't have anything to offer me. I'm not motivated to do this because I'm setting up another religion. I'm just doing it because I love you. I love you as a sinner and I want to save you. That was the message that radically altered my life. And then, and then as I grew in that to know all that that number one, I'm totally forgiven. You realize that? Some of God's people, you don't know the message because you hadn't figured it out what the Bible says, you know, that when Jesus forgives you, He forgives you for everything past, present, and future. You're forgiven. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the power of Satan. You know, it talks about here, let me get this real quick. It talks about, for unto you, I want you to get this, okay? This is the message, for unto you. For you. You realize Jesus came for you. You personally. You look back over your life, I just asked you a question. Anybody in here say, I don't think I'm a sinner? We can clear that up real quick. Everybody in here agrees with me, we're sinners. When we look back over our life, oh, if I was really honest... I sure wouldn't want to play a video of all the sin that I've thought and done and not not done in obedience. You know, I I don't want nobody to see that. You know what? God sees that. He knows every sin you ever have and ever will commit. And He's like, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I love you so much that this sin requires the death of my son. And I'm willing to offer him up in your place. That's how much I love you. I'm sending my son for you. Unto you. For you is born a Savior. You know why? Because we all need a Savior. Every one of us needs a Savior. And God's like, I'll provide a Savior. So he came, and it says, in the city of David. Now, here's what I want you to get. Which was, there's a lot of stuff tied in there, David, but everybody knows David. David was the giant killer, the king of Israel. Back in the Old Testament, First and 2 Samuel talks about the life of David. When you get to chapter 17, you read the story of David and Goliath. You remember the story? Goliath was a big, tall, huge giant. He was a guy who was like, I don't know, the Navy SEAL of his day. If you're a veteran, don't get offended because I didn't say a green beret or whatever. I'm just using an illustration here. Get it off your shoulders, okay? But here's what I'm saying. He was like the man. He walks out onto the field. He taunts everybody and he said, let's make a deal. Israel's over here. The Philistines are over here. Goliath walks out. He represents the Philistines, the enemy of God's people. And he's brash and he's bold. He's like, there's no point in both armies coming out here to fight. Send me a man. Send me a man and let us fight. You pick your man. I'm the man that represents the enemy. And here's what we'll do. If I win, you become our slave. If you win, we'll be your slaves. No takers on Israel's side. I got to hurry because, you know, I'm going to cut this. But you know the story. David shows up, young boy. He hears all the mouth. He doesn't see the giant. He sees God. He's like, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I'll go. I'll represent Everybody's like, all right, David. So here's the point I want you to get. That's not a story about you overcoming your giants. It's a story about David being a picture of Jesus when no other man could defeat our giant, the giant of sin and death. When David walks out onto the field, he walks out with a slingshot, something very simple, represents a cross. He walks out onto the field with a giant. What does he do? You know the story. But think about this. If you would have been in the trenches that day, if you was on the Israeli army, you would have been sitting there in the trenches because you didn't want to go out fighting. You knew what was going to happen. So all of your hope, all of your faith, all of your future, your family's future, everything was looking at one young boy who was willing to go out there and be obedient to God. If David falls, you fall. If David fails, you fail. If David dies, you die. David goes out, he wins, and all of God's army came up out of there and said, let's charge the Philistines. It's the story of the cross. You know why? Because a few thousand years later, Jesus shows up, the son of David, on the scene. He said, I'm not here to deal with Goliath. I'm here to deal with the greater giant, a giant no man can defeat. The giant of sin, the giant of death, the one who represents the enemy of God's people. And Jesus walks out onto the field. He goes to the cross. And you know what? All of our hope, all of our faith, if Jesus fails, we fail. If he falls, we fall. If he dies, we die. But if he wins, two of you got it. If if he wins, we win. that's why it's so important that when you read the gospel, and on the third day, he rose again. I realized there was probably no people around that day, but I'm sure that same group of angels, the Lord's military that was here at the Annapolis were in the background going, y'all just watch this, watch this. And all of a sudden the earth shook, earthquake shook, lightning, and all of a sudden the stone rolled away and Jesus walked out. And the giant failed. Do you realize that's what he did for you? Unto you. He did that for you. If nobody else receives it and you're the only one who receives his it, life, I was willing to die just for you so that you could have life. All right, let's finish up and get you to the house. <clears throat> so look at this. It says that he announces this and it says, For there is born unto you this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Real quick, outside of a mess, you know what swaddling clothes were? His burial clothes. Poor people used burial clothes to wrap their babies up. Jesus, the only a baby ever born to die. So they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. They laid him in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So they left the environment. You know, right after that, they was like, Let us go and see now what the Lord's made known to us. Let us, and I want you to get this because I'm finished right here. Let's go see. What the message has been delivered to us? They could have sat there. The angels could have went, Whoa! The glory of the Lord. Everything took place. They hear the message, and they could have went, "Well, we got sheep to keep." You know what? It it's pretty dark out here. Ah, you know the angels they get carried away. And you know what they did? They went on living their mundane, in the shadow of darkness life. There's so many people that sit in church. That you come here and I believe you're, you're surrounded by people who have seen Jesus. And they sing and they praise and when they shout and they speak a message to you. And some of you receive that message and your life is radically changed because you see the Lord. But some of you continue just to go, I'm just going to stay with the sheep. I'm just going to live the same old mundane American life. Oh, I'm chasing, you know what, preacher, you don't know because I'm making, I'm banking, I'm making millions, whatever, boring. There is no life in money. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? There's no hope in that. Well, preacher, you know what, I'm so popular, I got 10,000 likes, you know, on one post on Facebook. whoop de doo Facebook's a joke. It doesn't give you life. It doesn't give you hope. It will not fix your marriage. It will not raise godly children. It will not save your soul. You being known, you having money, you having a big home, big cars, big whatever, none of that stuff gives peace. It doesn't give life. It doesn't heal. It doesn't work miracles. It doesn't walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. But one does. And all I say is, go and see. Take the message and, and see, is he who he says he is? Will he do what he claims he can do? Because all I can do, I'm, I'm basically, no, I'm not that I'm an angel, but I'm just a messenger. And most of you are too. If you know Jesus, you're a messenger. My question is, do you know what message that got a hold of you that you want to share with other people? If you're one of them, go, I really don't have nothing to share, maybe you need to go back and revisit the message. Because if you went and saw, Right after they went, when they went and saw on their said, this is true. This is the baby. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been looking for a whole lot. Then they went out and made it known abroad to everybody else. That's the impact that Jesus has on people. When you're born again to God's spirit, you can't just go, "Now we should hurry up. Ready to go home. That might be what the American church says, but that's not what the Bible teaches. I'll, I'll tell you this, and I'll straight up testify. I serve a living, saving, life-changing, life-giving, joy-filling, hope-giving, miracle-working, prayer-answering, well, way worth worshiping God who came just for me. He has given me life. If I never stood in front of a church as a preacher that has nothing to do with my salvation... I didn't get saved by a process. I wasn't even in a church building when I got saved. I wasn't with a pastor when I got saved. The Lord met me where I was. He came to me where I was and he saved my soul and it was so amazing. I'm not talking about uh, experience, nothing like that. But when I come to understand who Jesus was and what he did for me because he loved me, he's my friend more than any friend will ever be. And He can radically change your life. It's so good. That's, that's, that's the message that we bring. It's good news. You can watch all the bad news you want to and you hear a lot of bad news at church. Today I want to tell you, I've got excellent news. If you're here and you're like, my, my life is hopeless. My heart is empty. I've experienced the, the results of the sinful choice that I made. Never did believe all this God stuff. Guess what? Jesus loves you. He came for you. He lived with you. He died for you. He offers you a free gift. Go, I'll save you, man. I'll give you life. Sin is what separates you. I'll take, I took care of all that at the cross. Just come to me. I'm not asking anybody to come up front today. You don't have to come up front. You know, you stand right where you are, sit right where you are, walk out of the church, whatever you want to do. I just want. I just want you to go and see. I just want you to see the one who saves. See the one who's so good. Because it's not about this scene and wearing suits and getting the right haircuts and listening to the right music. It's about knowing the greatest gift, the only gift of life that's ever been given. And God's like, I want you to have that. That's what the Christmas is all about. And that's what gifts are all about. And if you die without it, you die deceived. Because you believe the lie. And I'm not knocking church, but I want to say this. The religious crew in Jesus' day totally missed it. Don't miss that point. They totally missed it. They thought they had everything right. And they totally missed life. My question for you is if, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm shutting down right here. I'm not asking, have you been baptized? Are you a Baptist church member? Do you take the Lord's Supper? Do you come to church? Do you tithe? I ain't asking any of that. My question is when you leave here and Tuesday rolls around and you're out there doing your sheep keeping, you're on the job. Come home. Whatever it is you're doing, you have Jesus. You have life. You have the greatest hope. No matter what happens in your life, everything around me is dark, but I have have the glory of the Lord in me that breaks the darkness. It gives me so much hope and so much life. That's what I I want you to have. That's what Jesus gives. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning? Let's have a word of prayer. You respond however you choose. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for life. I thank you for for good life. Lord, the life that I was living was miserable. Had everything that the world could offer, Lord, just miserable. No peace, no continual joy, no hope. Striving for more and more, looking for life and everything and always coming up in destruction, disappointment, discouragement. I thank you, Jesus, that you intervened. Suddenly broke through. I thank you, Lord, that you give me life. God, it continues to get better and better. Even though we go through struggles and we face difficulties, God, you defeat every weapon that's formed against us. You give us victory. God, we should be a people who just can't contain our praise. Lord, I just pray over this people right here. If there's one person or ten people, it's never come to know you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this morning they would turn to you. Turn away from putting their trust in some process, putting their trust in some religious ceremony, some church membership, something that somebody told them that wasn't even in the Bible. Pray, Lord, this morning, they come face to face with you hear your voice. Realize how greatly you love them. Just humble yourself to receive the grace you want to pour out in their life. Receive the forgiveness of sin right where they stand. That you'll be their Lord and Savior when they leave here today. God, they don't have to come up front. We don't even have to know today, Lord, but I pray that it's so good that they can't contain it. I thank you for every person here who can testify that, of your goodness and your grace. Father, I just pray we'd be a people who would carry that message out into the world. How can we contain your glory and your goodness and your love in our life, Lord? Help us to share with people, even if they don't want to hear it. Lord, I pray that we be a people who offer up the praise you're worthy. of, And we ask it all in Jesus' name.